make a deal with Netflix and you don't have money that comes into you forever. You get paid and then money 20% more or 30% more, but you that's it. It didn't come natural to me. There's so many things that I think about now I wish I had known when I was younger. What I believe resonates with people who are particularly now is content that has some sort of meaning to it. It's more than just pure entertainment. And so suddenly MTV was the only thing it seemed in the whole world and all of Hollywood and everybody else was taking their cues from this startup. I did not know a single writer when I became a writer. I think if you're trying to become a writer from someplace other than Los Angeles and New York, I still think that's really difficult. Welcome to Entertainment Business Wisdom with your host, Kaya Alexander. and welcome. My name is Kaya Alexander. I'm the host of this show, Entertainment Business Wisdom. Today, my special guest is Mega Kadakia. She is the VP of Impact Media at Creative Visions, where she works with filmmakers and activists to develop, co-produce, and finance social entertainment impact media. She also brings a unique blend of business experience, diversity, and artistic vision to independent filmmaking through her production company, Blue Velocity Pictures. Mega has produced the fiction features Miss India America, Raspberry Magic, The Tiger Hunter, and Hummingbird. She is producing the documentary Texas USA, which explores what it takes to build a new hopeful vision for democracy against enormous odds. Recently, she co-founded the global media entertainment brand to empower young girls through animation. Super amazing princess heroes. She's the recipient of Sundance's Creative Producing Lab, Sundance's Momentum Fellowship, the Cannes Producers Fellow, and Film Independent Producers Lab, and the Tribeca All Access Program. In 2018, she presented a TEDx talk on media and diversity at UNC Chapel Hill. She's worked at Disney, ABC, Deloitte Consulting, and several film production organizations in the capacity of business development and finance. She received an MBA from Columbia University, Graduate School of Business, and a BS in Biochemistry and Specialization in Business from UCLA. I'm so happy you're here with us, Mega. Thank you, Kai. I really appreciate the invitation and the ability to speak to all of you fellow filmmakers and uh, entrepreneurs. I'm a huge fan of your work. I think I've seen almost all of your movies um, and I love what you have created. Um, I love your vision and I love the diversity focus, especially with the Oppie films that you've created. They're really, really beautiful. So well done. Thank you, Kaya. Um, You know, something that I forgot to mention in the bio and one that I'm absolutely proud of um, that we are embarking on is a joint collaboration between myself and two other producers, um, Shruti Ganguly and Priya Giri Desai. We formed a company called Prism Entertainment, which focuses on nuanced storytelling in the South Asian diaspora and from the countries that we all come from as well. So we are looking at ways to expand what we call 2.0 storytelling in 
um, in the diversity realm and what it means to just tell our stories as opposed to explaining why we need to tell our stories. Um, and that's been a real blessing to be able to move in that direction. And it is really on the heels of so much work that many of us have done in this field, whether it's South Asian or Oppie related or Black or Latino, um, LGBTQ, the representation that everyone has put forth over several years and decades has allowed us, I think, to move into this sort of new versioning 2.0, which is really just telling our stories. Oh, I love that so much. Would you tell us more about your team and what you're doing with the production company? That's really exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes, it, it formed during the pandemic. Um, we were, you know, we've all worked in our own silos as producers and as filmmakers, as I'm sure many of you can attest to. It's lonely. You know, you're going, it's an uphill battle and you're trying to figure out you know, where the collaborations exist and where you can create new collaborations and who's going to option your work or who's going to give you the lead in. And each of us had, you know, over 10, 15 years each had put work into this specific area, which is South Asian storytelling and beyond um, in different ways. And we felt instead of working in silos, the power of three would be an interesting way to approach um, this from from not being a celebrity and you know and i think there's a lot of celebrity focused companies in each of these sort of um areas uh in different ethnicities and different sort of uh ways of promoting storytelling but there's not a lot of just pure producers and entertainment individuals and filmmakers who this is their bread and butter, who understand this, who've done the grassroots activism, who've also done the storytelling and who've also helped a lot of their peers come up in the business. And that's been my experience along with Shruti and Priya. And so we started with one project and we realized that we work, you know, we work well, we are in three different time zones, but somehow it still worked. And uh, we've then formalized that into an entity called PRISM, which is for each of our first names. So it's Priya Shruti Mega, and that's how we came up with PRISM Entertainment. Um, but the work that we're doing is really looking at optioning incredible stories out there um, and looking at ways to tell stories that haven't been told before in, in the work, in um in the South Asian diaspora and in the South Asian storytelling world. Um, just recently, we're actually looking at telling a story called Finding Almighty about a young boy who, who sees the world around him. Um, and this is really the intersection of South Asian and Black storytelling. And we find that super exciting to be able to partner and look at it from that perspective. Um, we're looking to option another book that is the intersection of uh, South Asian and Jewish storytelling, which again, I think is that sort of version 2.0, we're all connected. And where do we intersect? Intersectionality is very exciting. And there's stories. Say that exact word. I was going to yeah. say intersectionality of what you're doing. That's so beautiful. And I think there's stories that have not even been told or explored because we've been so caught up in our silos, right? And just like getting people to understand 
who we are as individuals. But I think there's there's a whole world of storytelling and possibilities out there um, that many of us haven't even had the ability to explore. And hopefully we can now. So that's what Prism Entertainment is. We've got eight projects in development, um, continuously pitching and out there and hoping many will see the light of day very soon. So that's, that's so that's so exciting. I love that you're going beyond stereotype into nuance of mm -hmm. authentic experience with own voices. That's just really exciting to me. I'm bi and queer, so always looking for that kind of LGBTQ representation on screen. And if you're part of a community that doesn't tend to see yourself on screen represented, it's so it's actually just so healing to see the representation. It's so mm -hmm. unifying and it's so exciting when it comes from a place of authenticity and nuance rather than cliche or stereotypes. How experiencing buyers right now on that side of it, bringing 2.0 storytelling through, um, are they receptive? Are they are they open? Are we there yet is really the question. <laughs> I don't think I think we're always ahead of the curve. I don't think buyers are ready. Mm. That being said, they also don't know what they don't know. And I think it really is about how well you can pitch, how well you can set up your team. Um, you know, and I can say this because I truly respect Mindy Kaling and I really respect what she's done in our business when it comes to representation yeah. for South Asian storytelling. But as we've seen, if you've been paying attention in the press and the media, that's one viewpoint, right? And that viewpoint has now overtaken what it means to be South Asian or what it means to, to represent uh, being, in this case, Indian, right? And, and being from the diaspora. Um, and that's not indicative um, or representative of the totality of who each person is, right? There's, as you said, there's a whole storytelling lens of looking at what it means to be queer and LGBTQ, but you don't have to start from that perspective, but you can also touch upon that perspective and tell a South Asian story from that perspective. And I think there is, um, those things are being missed. So when we talk to sales individuals, when we talk to people who can green light at Netflix, at stars, at Amazon, at all these, you know, these places, which while there feels like there's so many, there's really not that many, <laughs> but when you start talking to all of them, um, what we hear off the record is, oh my God, yes, we need this, but oh my God, is there an audience? And I think that becomes the next step in every cell is to figure out, is there an audience um, for this? And a large part of the work I've done individually, my partners have done individually, we've done as a community, is show that there is an audience for this and that people do come to a theater and people do buy. And what we've seen, and you know, these stats can be changed per the community that you're looking to really yeah. And I was Push. just asked that, like, are you looking at stats and metrics to bring in to prove the audience? Mm -hmm. I imagine you're doing, you have an MBA, that's what you do. Yes. I mean, and what's, what's great is actually all three of us have some sort of MBA or film background, but um, we know that the diasporic South Asian community is 60 million strong. What we also know is um, 
overall, we're like 1.5 billion, right? If you look mm-hmm. at what's in country um, and what's out of country, I know we haven't told 1.5 billion stories that really represent the diversity of who we are because we're also in Africa. We're also in the Middle East. We're in Europe. We're in North America, just like every ethnicity is, right? We're all over the place. So the intersectionality, I think, is really exciting to explore and where partnerships look interesting as well. I mean, we're in discussions with Macro, we're in discussion with Ava DuVernay's company, like we're looking at different ways to expand beyond. And this gives us that opportunity. Um, But what I was going to say is the metrics are very important. um, Because that slice of an audience is key. Um, I I put on an event through Creative Visions uh, for Norman Lear's 100 Years last October. We did an interview with him looking at the work that he's done, what he did for representation and creating stories that didn't exist before as a Jewish man and how hard that was um, and how far we've come even from Norman Lear's time. But what was so interesting and in, in just listening to what he was saying when he put his shows out, 15 to 20 to 30 million people watched it every time an episode of his came out. That's how we used to watch television, right? People could count on that audience. Revenue was was created because of that audience. Today, it's exciting for any show. They've made it when you've had 1.5 million viewers. And just if we can kind of think about that from what it was in the 70s and 80s to what it is today, a show is is really successful when you've you've reached a million, million and a half, two million viewers. That's what Mad Men pulled in, two million, and that was a success, right? So there's so many different ways to watch um, your content. But when you can show stats and say, look, we've got a potential audience worldwide from a diaspora of 60 million. And let's say we pull in 1%. That gives you some idea of what that might look like. Um, but say we can we pull in 2%, 3%, then we have a hit show apparently. Right. Right. And so I think those are some, some metrics and ideas when you think about what a pitch looks like, where you think your audience is coming for, how, how authentic. And Kai, I want to go back to that being, when you can be nuanced and authentic, you're actually going to be um, able to be incredibly uh, broad in your, in your reach because you're so nuanced and, um, and authentic and people like that. They, they can then see ways that they re, um, can attach themselves to this story that's being told on the screen, if that makes sense. Oh, it so does. I really love that um, because there's something that, that makes us relate to our own humanity uh, when it feels real, when we see that reflected on screen. I was thinking as you were speaking too about the lack of MENA representation in Hollywood as well, with what you're saying can be applied there also. I have a friend who's out pitching a couple of shows um, who is MENA, and she's been told quite a lot, oh, well, we already have Rami. Mm-hmm. But 
like we've got the one flagship, we've got the one example. And I know, you know, heard some stories about others saying, oh, but we already had crazy rich Asians. And it's like, there's this wave of um, that needs to be recognized of the new Hollywood, the 2.0 of like, no, this is really what the audiences want. And let's remi- let's do our work on our biases from the buyer side, from the exec side, so that we can actually serve the audience that's there, that's hungry, that you're speaking about with the metrics, uh, which mm-hmm. is interesting. And you brought up Creative Visions quickly. I just want to let um, our listeners know that this is where Mega and I met at Creative Visions. We both care a lot about social impact entertainment, which is SIE, um, which is Creative Visions is run by Kathy Eldon and her foundation. I'd love for you to speak about it for a minute for those who are curious about social impact entertainment. And I'm especially curious if we're seeing um, the rise of scripted in that arena, because it's been so occupied by documentary for so long. So I'd love for you to speak to that a bit. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yes, you know, um, I, I do. Uh, so I'm head of Impact Media Creative Visions. Creative Visions, as Kaya mentioned, was started by Kathy Eldon and her daughter, Amy Eldon Turtletop. Um, and it was... It was created, uh, if you look it up, creativevisions.org. Um, it was created uh, because of a tragedy that they experienced. Um, Kathy Sundan Eldon was one of the youngest photojournalists at the time in, in the early 90s um, who um, who was covering the famine in Somalia at the time. And he actually brought that famine to light through the his incredible photojournalism. Um, and he was the youngest photojournalist for Reuters at the time. Um, that led to the U.S. creating an effort to come in and really help Somalians by bringing in food and aid. And it became this incredible endeavor that the world became a part of, started by this very young 20-something-year-old individual. Um, there were some tragedies along the way some mishaps along the way um, by the U.S. government that caused Dan to stand out being a white individual. And he was so loved by the community, but they couldn't tell the difference between him and a soldier at the time when their anger had risen by this mishap, which is understandable. However, Dan and three other journalists who were covering the topic were stoned to death. So he, uh, an incredible documentary was created that Amy, his younger sister, went on a journey asking Christian Amanpour and all these incredible journalists, you know, why, why are you dying to tell a story like my brother? Because I want to understand why he needed to do what he needed to do and make peace with the fact um, but creative visions was created to honor Dan and the, and the work he's done, but also to bring forward how we all have that spark within us to be creative activists, to change the world around us and to create media that can inspire, inform and change the way we, we think about life and, and, and the, and the issues that we are, we come up against. Um, 
we've never coined it as social impact entertain or social and impact entertainment. However, it's what we've been doing for 20 plus years at Creative Visions and working with um, UCLA, the School of Film and Theater and the School Foundation, we came up with in 2018, a convening called Spark uh, Change Summit. And that was a summit that really celebrated all the social impact entertainment individuals who are creating media that mattered. And to Kaya's point, we've often seen that in the documentary form, which even at Creative Visions, that's what we've seen it at. Obviously at Creative Visions, we support media makers and dance, film, music. Um, we go beyond just film and documentaries. However, that's what we've primarily seen um, entertainment as reflected in the documentary space. What we have seen in the last five years plus is this incredible shift in creating um, scripted and looking at how social impact entertainment um, can really have legs when we look at um, uh, scripted. And so we luckily this past year had a Spark Change Summit, which I really hope that you will join us this year, this fall. Oh, fantastic. Um, I love hearing that attack. Yeah, it's uh, it was there at the Hammer Museum and we put it on. I had panels. Uh, I, I was the lead uh, in putting that whole uh, effort on. And we had a panel on the environment and Scott Z. Burns, who's done Contagion, who's done all these incredible, impactful films that are not um, documentaries, mm-hmm. although he's he's worked in that world, too. But he's really done scripted entertainment on issues that are really um, out there. Uh, just released on Apple TV, something called Extrapolations, which is an eight-part series, um, a la Black Mirrorish, that looks at climate and climate storytelling. And it is all scripted, but I think it's going to be the next biggest hit um, on Apple to really look at climate storytelling. And he worked with Anna Jane Joyner, who along with CAA Foundation, the Norman Lear Foundation, USC, and many other incredible organizations, including Creative Visions, um, came together to really look at how can you infuse climate storytelling into scripted? How can you give ideas to showrunners and to filmmakers and media makers um, so that they can start to think about climate storytelling? Because we're all experiencing it with the fires, with the rain, with the shortage of certain types of um, food resources and so forth, it's a daily occurrence, but we don't see it in our world reflected on television. And yet we're all experiencing it. So how do we do it in a way that it can be infused just like we did with LGBTQ stories? Like we brought gay characters in, we brought queer characters in two stories and we brought storylines in and it didn't have to be a show about being gay. It just had to be about life and life itself has that um, aspect to it. So how can we do that with climate? And so much it's I'm so passionate about this too because I'm a surfer and I'm big on ocean conservation and Mm -hmm. the last the last book that um that the one that I'm working on adapting now is called swell and it was written by Captain Liz Clark and she's a Patagonia ambassador for ocean conservation and her whole story her life story of building the sailboat sailing it around the Pacific is 
deeply connected to ocean conservation. So it's really cool to hear you talk about this because it's like, how do you slip a little spinach in the popcorn? So it's like, mm -hmm. hey, address this issue um, and let's make it fun and entertaining and tell a really great story along the way. Cause I think that's going to move and motivate and excite audiences for whom this kind of thing is top of mind. And we really want to see it reflected in our entertainment. I know I do. Yes. And, and to that point, we also created a class at UCLA that was in conjunction with the law school and the film school where uh, it was groups of three groups of eight students who were assigned a nonprofit or NGO. So it was Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, and Crisis Action. And they worked together in creating media that actually addressed policy and looking at ways that that media and policy could come together to create change on the ground. So I think there is an idea. I love that. And it was the first iteration with two deans coming together saying, you know what, we need to do this. And I can see this class now being offered at other universities and other places to look at ways that this can actually become a discipline in itself, social impact entertainment, where we really in today's world have to tell some of these stories and know that that creates impact on the ground, that policy can shift, that grassroots activism can, can really be tied and those metrics and numbers can be shown that media does create impact. You know, and I think that's a big takeaway. I have chills. I love this uh, so much. The vision that you have um, and then the way we actually put it into action. Um, I grew up in the 80s and 90s uh, and I went down to the Earth Summit in 1991 as a speaker, and we were, you know, there to listen, there to talk. I, I went to a really quirky high school that was all about um, creating change and positive change in the world. And it was the first time that I had heard from other countries what was happening environmentally. I was really passionate even then about what uh, the dolphins that were being killed in the tuna nets and wanted to do something as a teenager. And listening to what was happening globally, um, it's now coming finally into the full view of conversations. I think through Greta uh, and through com companies like with big shingles like Leonardo DiCaprio's mm -hmm. company, others who are saying like, hey, let's find a way to, to have these conversations. And there's been pushback from execs that I've seen of like, oh, well, that's not going to be entertaining. But I, I feel like we're that wave is cresting now of like, we know how to make this fun. We know how to do this in comedy or drama or dramedy. Mm -hmm these ways and the audiences are going to be uh, receptive, receptive to it. And I will put, um, I'm just going to type in spark change summit here. So you guys can watch it. Um, Cause it exists. Um, and you can take a look for, for the listeners. It's spark change summit.com. Uh, and that's coming up again in LA in autumn. Uh, in autumn. And we're actually just putting a team together to figure out what the next iteration will look like. Okay. Um, Let me know how I can help. That's yes. with the skull school, right? Right. I yep. Remember. I remember That's. I think that's actually how I reconnected with Kathy. Uh, it was, was back then in that, in that era. That's, um, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yes. And I think, we would love to really expand how we think about it, who's on panels, how who's attending. We really were I I because I put, you know, and this is also something that I think all of you can um can also really take away is when when we empower people behind the camera 
and in front of the camera to be diverse, to be inclusive, we actually can shift who's working in front of the camera and behind the camera and who gets to green light and the, and who gets to write for shows. Because when you get to, when you get to be part of that change and you go and you start to put that change into effect, these things become natural. Yeah. yeah. Emphasizing it is really important in every room. Uh, Mm -hmm. As a new producer, I'm even emphasizing it with my team of like, Hey, let's look at all, let's look at women directors. In addition to some of the men that are so easy to find, Mm -hmm. Uh, because this is time, you know, to reach for a little bit more parody. I know that you're involved with Sundance a bit. Are you still involved with Sundance? Cause you've had so your roots are also there. And I have been seeing things go by where it just really seems like Sundance is so dialed into this with the diversity element, with the intersectionality element. Could, maybe you could speak to that for a moment. Yeah. I mean, I, I really do have to thank Sundance quite a bit because they've been really incredible in helping to bring my partnerships into existence in many ways. Um, I was just there this uh, January at Sundance and um, one of my co-founders of PRISM, actually, along with another woman, Tanya Salvaradam, so Shruti Ganguly and Tanya Salvaradam, actually, along with 1497, Product of Culture and a few others, put together the first ever South Asian house at Sundance, which was really exciting. Um, and I led a fireside chat with Richie Mehta, um, who is also one of the directors on ex- Extrapolations that's coming out um, as well. But it was really lovely to be there and to be part of that community and to see what that does at Sundance and, and, and other, and and, at other, um, in other ways, but also for the industry to see that we are a group, you know, we're not just these, these few celebrities that our community gets to boast about. Mm -hmm. We are a very diverse group that thinks about social impact entertainment, that thinks about docs, that thinks about climate, that thinks about, you know, multiple issues. Um, And just to see that diversity and, and Sundance wanting to making sure that they highlight that diversity, I think was really key. You know, they're not without their ups and downs as well. And last year we saw that with um, the documentary that uh, uh, I can't even remember now the documentary that caused a lot of commotion, but there's, you know, I think Sundance also had to grapple with the fact of who tells your story mm-hmm. and how is your story told? Um, and um I think it's really important when we are telling other stories, people's stories that we are not maybe familiar with or that it's not our experience. It's okay, in my opinion, to tell someone else's story. But who do you have on your team that can add value to making sure that when you are telling someone else's story, that they are representing that other viewpoint so that you are not being blindsided and in those nuances that need to be reflected on the screen or need to be reflected in the script or need to be reflected in how you pitch and talk about the story, because that is important. So if someone wants to tell and they're moved to tell a story about another community or someone else's experience, I would really make sure that that team that supports that individual storyteller 
is diverse and representative of the story that's being told so that nothing is missed. And I think if we can do it respectfully and responsibly, then you, then I think people should be allowed to tell stories that they're moved by because it shouldn't just have to be told that it needs to only be from the person who's experienced it. If we do that, I think we will miss out on some great, great storytelling. But and so, there's a little bit of a Trojan horse element. <laughs> it's like, we don't, we don't want a appropriation, you know, where there's, it's not enough, like, cause I experienced this being queer, right? So I have certain mm -hmm. scripts that were written by a cis hat person who is like, hey, I've included queer characters. And then I read it and I'm like, oh my God, this is so missing the mark. Mm -hmm. That person may have power or the ability to get it in front of others. And then when it opens up as a dialogue and conversation, like, okay, well, you're queer. How could I adjust what I'm doing to allow for your, your lived felt experience to reflect itself on page and then thereby on the screen? Um, it's such an important point because then that, that becomes something that's not just cliche or appropriated. It actually reflects the true lived experience of others, whether it's BIPOC or LGBTQ, um, OPI. What is that? What is that authentic representation look like from soup to nuts, you know, from, from the get-go all the way rippling through? And I will say buyers and people who have the power to green light are nervous if they see that say you've got a great story about an African-American woman set in Kenya, but no one on the team is Kenyan or African. I think it's going to, it's going to be hard for an executive to say, um, or they, it should be hard for an executive to greenlight that project because right. what they should be saying is, well, where, where's the team to making sure that as we push this product out and this film out, this narrative out, we're not going to get reamed for not being appropriate or being respectful or looking at the story. So I think it, hopefully that education will happen on both ends and more diverse teams will come, which will open more doors, which will allow for more stories to be told. But again, you know, it, there's a lot of education that has to happen in the process. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're speaking about, you know, the silos and inside the entertainment business school, I'm always saying, find your wolf pack because unified, we're just so much more powerful than lone wolfing it through the industry. And I think that the point that you've made about executives seeing the team and seeing seeing the wolf pack, seeing the unified voices together, like what you did at Sundance, bringing together um, th that group of Oppie creatives uh, and producers together to say, "Hey, look, we we're we're here to occupy this space, not just the celebrities who have claimed the space before us." Uh, it's powerful and it's important. Uh, and I, I'm I'm super curious to see in coming years how we can do more of this. 
and get over some of our biases and serve the audiences that we know are there, that we know are hungry for this. And I think even, you know, the the audience of America today that has, I'm thinking of my friend Noah Evslin, who is one of the producers and writers on NCIS Hawaii, a very diverse show on CBS. That's one of their highest performing shows ever. Why? Because within even the United States, it's like, hi, well, this is our lived experience. We are people of color here in the United States, as well as white people. We want to see that representation on screen. And the show is performing really well for it, for including those voices. And I know from Noah that they've done a great job within the writer's room to make sure that that representation is at the table. And it's really reflected on the show. Exactly, exactly. And I think the more we can push that forward in rooms and pitches as you're pitching, you know, when you're pitching television versus when you're pitching film, I think that is key to really getting exec um, to be there. And I think the other key that maybe is the elephant in the room is you have to have a great story on paper. It just has to be really good. And no matter who and what you're representing, it can't just be for representation's sake. It has to be an incredible story because if it's not, it's it's never going to work. No matter how you team up, you know, it's never going to work. It has to just first and foremost be something incredible on paper. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more at all. It starts with the building blocks of a fantastic uh, story. Yeah, yeah. really. Um, so what's next for you? Um, you know, that's, uh, I'm excited. We um, have a lot of events next week uh, during Oscar week. Um, my, who I like to call my mentor, Janet Yang, is a president of the Academy and she will be, the, for the first time, a woman of color will be in front of a billion people to talk about the Oscars. Yeah. I know. And I, it's really <laughs> exciting. It almost makes me tear up because I've known Janet for a long time. Um, and through my husband actually is how I met her, but she's, I like to say whether she acknowledges it or not, but I think she does. She is my mentor. Um, and I think we've had enough bottles of wine together that, um, I can say that, but she's really shown me, um, in such a graceful way, how to stand up for your community how to build coalition and how to rise. And she's done all three wonderfully. And so I'm excited to be part of a couple of events next week that will bring forward that connection to the Oppie community. Um, Prism Entertainment is a co-host to an event that Gold House is doing next week. Um, that Janet will be a part of. Uh, we're also going to be highlighting South Asians in media um, that I will, that I'm invited to, that I'm not a part of in terms of um, the host committee, but I will get to be there next Thursday and really push that forward. We're also celebrating South Asian women in media next Sunday. So that's really exciting. Um, and uh and then the Oscars on Sunday. So, I mean, I'm really thrilled that we are pushing forward these groups. And what I'm excited by is not so much, again, the sparkly folks. I've worked with them. They've been in my films. Um, I've We've grown up together, if I can say that. Um, I'm more excited about the people I don't know about who 
are really sharp, who have stories to tell, who I and my partners want to bring to the table, because that's, I think, that's where the stories are. It's not with the people who have sometimes the microphone. It's with the people who've been working hard and who have lived experiences that we want to tap into. So I'm excited about the opportunity to really meet many of those individuals, um, to find those individuals and to go full force into bringing them um, some recognition for the stories that they're going to be telling. Naga Kadakia, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. It's been so fantastic to have you here. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Entertainment Business Wisdom. We invite you to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Please like, review, and share it with your friends and colleagues. Kaya Alexander can be reached on Twitter for your questions or comments at This Is Kaya. Get entertainment business career training as well as a free special report, How to Pitch Anything in One Minute, at www.entertainmentbusinessleague.com. Thank you.